Hey friends, welcome back to the That'll Preach podcast. It's Selah Williams, and I'm so, so excited for the conversation that's going to be had today. Today, our special guest is David Williams, my father, and I'm so, so stoked to see what wisdom he's going to impart to us. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. All right, so I'm so, so excited to be back on another That'll Preach episode, and I have a very special guest, my dad. Dad, thanks for being here. You're welcome. It is a (laughs) pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, And so I guess I'll just start out with the question I've been asking everyone on this podcast, and that is, uh, what is something that the Lord has been teaching you in this season of your life? Man, that's a loaded question. But I, <laughs> I, I, I think that um, he's really been helping me to see just how desperately I need him. Yeah, that really. I can't, you know, I can't really do anything apart from him. Um, and uh, yet he wants to, you know, use my life to do some amazing things. But it's by his power. It's by his strength, his grace, um, his spirit. And the, the flip side of that, Selah, is um, not only am I desperately dependent upon him, but there's a, a great confidence I think the Lord has given me in him because of the fact that he's with me and um, yeah. not dependent on me, um, that it is, you know, it's, it's him who wants to do whatever he wants to do through my life. So that gives me a great confidence because he won't fail and he's yeah, strong enough so and smart enough, you know? So, so yeah, those are some things he's been teaching me. That's so good. Yeah, I think um, even like furthering that, uh, one of my favorite verses recently has been like at the end of Jude, where it says, um, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you righteous. Um, And it just reminds me, like, I think sometimes I get so caught up in my inadequacies and it's like recognizing that like it's him. He's the one who's strong in my weakness. He's the one who keeps me from stumbling. He is the reason that I can be presented righteous before the King. Um, And so, yeah, just uh, recognizing that I am uh, raised and seated um, with him and like the depth of that, you know, and how serious that is and what a blessing it is because I don't deserve that at all. So I think that's really cool. And I feel like it's a continuous lesson, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we don't. It's not just a one and done. It's a it's a daily, daily, daily dependence on him. And and you're right. The enemy does want to remind us that, you know, he wants us to look at us, you know, and to look at what we can't do and what we're not. But we're to look at the one who has, you know, created us for a purpose and recreated us that we can walk in intimacy with him. And it's what he says about us and what he's done in us that overrides our own thoughts or what anybody else thinks about us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that the enemy, um, especially in my life, has um, used my inadequacies to kind of um, distract me almost. And uh, one thing the Lord has taught me is that, like, we recognize our inadequacy and the presence of holiness. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord has just reminded me, like, hey, like, you feel inadequacy because you're in my presence and I'm holy. And so you recognize your unholiness in the presence of a holy God, you know. And so that can be an encouragement of, like, yes, I am inadequate, but 
I'm he's close, you know, and yeah. he is more than enough. Um, it's nothing on me. It's not a weight on me um, because he is strong in my weakness and um, he is enough. And so yep. just remembering that and uh, not letting the enemy have a foothold in that area and kind of pull you away, but instead uh, sitting in the encouragement of he is knowing he is close and he is constant even when I'm not, you know? Yeah, no, that's that's, re that's really good, Selah. You know, as you were saying that, I was thinking of um, the Apostle Paul, and we know him as the Apostle of Grace. So yeah. if anybody probably understood God's grace, you know, it was, it was him. He, you know, he wrote most of the epistles we read. But I look at like his walk with the Lord, like the more he got to know him, he started out saying I was the least of, mm -hmm. uh, least of the saints. And then he goes, I'm the least of the apostles. And then when he's near the end of his life, he says that I'm the chief of sinners. And yeah. this is the one who realizes that his righteousness has come through faith in Jesus Christ. But the more that he, you know, walk with God in his presence, he realized what he not, what he wasn't. But yeah. the flip side of that, he also grew in the fact that he realized how great God's grace compensated for all of those things that he wasn't. Yeah, that's so good. And I think it's such a beautiful place, like to be so dependent on God as well, you know, because yeah. um, I think there's so many times like uh, walking in ministry or whatever you're doing, it's so easy to um, when you're in a, a good space to not have that reliance mm -hmm. and like, I think there's so much beauty in being in a space where it's like, wow, Lord, like I realize how desperately I need you. I realize um, how much I need you in every single second, every single thing. Um, and I think that people kind of look at that as weakness when it's really a really beautiful and fruitful space to be in. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I like that you brought that up. I was going to say, Sayla, I just want you to know I'm smiling right now. Why? <laughs> to hear you speaking the way you're speaking, it just it just brings, you know, just a smile to the face of a father Aww. to hear a daughter <laughs> who is growing in God's grace and understanding who she is in him. That's a that's a joy for me. So thank you for not only inviting me in this podcast, but um, just for you, your, your submission to Jesus and um, the way it blesses me. Oh, yeah, you bless me as well. I, uh, every spot that I'm in, all of the things that I have been able to do um, in ministry has been um, inspired from your faithfulness to the Lord and your ministry. And so I'm so grateful for you and for mom and for how you guys raised me to pursue the Lord. So, yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Um, but another thing I wanted to ask you is what is one thing you wish you had known kind of in the beginning of your ministry journey? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I know. Some loaded questions. Huh? I, one I thing I wish that. I would have known in the beginning of my ministry journey. Um, it's probably going to go back <laughs> to, to what I just talked about that. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's something I used to, you know, do campus ministry. And you probably remember this, you know, very early on one time we were actually raising support and I went to go meet with someone and I had never met him before. And the first thing that came out of his mouth, he said, David, never think that God um, puts the weight of somebody's salvation on your shoulder because you wouldn't be able to carry it. Salvation. Yeah. Is and so, you know, me just remembering that, you know, God is at work in the earth by his spirit. And he is preparing people for him and he uses us to play a part 
um, in what he's doing, but to never get it twisted that it's not about me. It's always about Jesus. He's the one who always takes the initiative. He's the one who's at work. He's the one that people need. They don't need me. They need him. In fact, not only do they need him, I need him. And so um, I wish, you know, being younger, I would have known that because I think it put a lot of pressure on me and it actually brought, you know, me to seasons where there was some burnout because I I thought it was dependent on me and it never has been. That's so good. That's so funny you say that because I just at the conference I was at um, with some of my friends, uh, we were staffing a conference and we were talking about how like sometimes there's so much weight when you go out sharing um, because you almost put the weight of someone's salvation on yourself. And Mm -hmm. so it becomes a thing of like, oh, like, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? And um, one thing I like um, that someone said is they were kind of just um, encouraging the friend group and saying like, that's why like, as we go out, we go out in boldness and share the faith, but we leave the results to God because we recognize that he is the only one who could change your heart. Um, the only thing we could do is have a conversation and be his vessel. Uh, and we really have to leave the results up to him because there is a, a weight that we don't have to carry because we cannot touch someone's life like that. You know, it's all him and recognizing um, that we are vessels and that our our job as walking with the Lord is just to surrender ourselves to do his work, you know, and that's all we can do. And yeah, it definitely leads to burnout and anxiety and a lot of other things when we start to almost play the role of God and think that we can change circumstances that we can't you know yep yeah it's his it's it's his spirit that um you know i think of acts 1 8 you know he says and you will receive power and the holy spirit will come upon you so that you can be my witnesses like you know he he realizes that it's we need him to be able to point people to jesus and it's the spirit that pricks people's hearts it's the Mm -hmm. spirit that convinces them of their need for god and his great love for them It's the spirit that's at work drawing them to Jesus and revealing Jesus. And God just wants to know, am I willing to take a step of faith uh, and to step out and to go and to know that he's going to be at work? You know, he was working before I got there. He's going to be at work. And and it's his great love um, that has brought salvation to the world, you know. And so it is really freeing. And um, there have been times where I, I have thought that I have, you know, presented the gospel to somebody and I said it perfectly and yeah. like nothing happened because, I, you know, I was thinking it was based on my presentation of it. And there's been other times where I have bobbled it, fumbled over my words, stumbled, mm. said things wrong. And then the person comes to Christ. <laughs> <'Cause>, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, God is like God reminding like, David, it's me. It's me. So. So that is so, you know, I, I love it that you're you're learning this very early in your ministry, because honestly, it probably was years that I walked um, feeling like this weight was on my shoulder when it was one God had never, never given me that weight to carry. Yeah, I think back to like my freshman year of college and like pretty much the whole reason I had switched my major in the first place was because I was um, doing a pop music major and in the midst of doing that i um felt like i was almost losing the heart of worship because everything um in all the classes was very performative 
Mm-hmm. And so when I was, when I came back home and would worship at our home church or wherever it was, I felt like I couldn't worship because I felt the need to be perfect. And like for that, that perfection um, from my major and from that per- performative mindset kind mm-hmm. of seeped into my worship. And for a year, I just felt like I was, I didn't even mean the words I was singing, you know, because no. it just got to the point of like, okay, my execution of this song needs to be exactly perfect. And that's what's going to touch hearts. And it wasn't until the Lord met me and he was like, no, like the way you were worshiping before, like it was raw. It was real. You, your uh, intention was turned towards me. And like, he called me to step away from that major entirely and go into ministry. And I feel like that is where I saw the Lord use my worship for his purposes. And so, yeah, it's definitely uh, been a learning curve for me of recognizing that there's, it's not me at all. Uh, It's not my voice. It's not the talent I have. It's him using my worship to touch hearts and it's him using my worship to bring people to his feet. Um, And so it, it doesn't have to be a pressure on me of perfection because he uses the imperfect, you know, he wants to come into that raw, into that real. uh, And he cares so much more about the heart. That's kind of what me and Kayla were talking about a little bit of like, um, even looking at David and how he was like, man looks on the outward, but I look at the heart, you know, um, and remembering that as we go into the spaces he's called us to, that he cares about our heart being turned towards him and, and he could pave the road and do the rest. And that is such a freeing thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you hit on a lot right there. You know, um, it first is the, the heart and everything flows out of that. And so mm-hmm. one of the things I think in, Another thing I think God is teaching me in this season is that um, your ministry, um, I want it to flow out of the overflow of our intimate relationship with one another. And yeah. so it's not just like I'm going out and doing it's like out of the expression and the overflow of my love for him, mm-hmm. um, I minister. And then I think, you know, something else that you hit on is uh, there's a, a lot of pressure. I think sometimes we see, you know, different people minister and the way they minister and And then we may think that we need to do it like that, but there's a Mm -hmm. uniqueness in the way that God created us. You know, there's a uniqueness with the gifts and the personalities and, and that we have that God's given to us. And he wants us to minister out of that uniqueness, depending on his spirit, out of a heart that is filled with his love. And um, that's what God wants. You know, he doesn't want, um, he doesn't need, you know, people copying other people to try to have an effective ministry. You know, God has unique um, spaces and places and people that he wants us to minister to. Mm. Um, I almost think of it like a toolbox, say like, like, you know, I, I have a limited toolbox cause I'm not that good of a handyman, <laughs> There's different tools in my toolbox. So if I want to nail a, a, a nail into the wall, I go grab a hammer, right? I don't grab my screwdriver. I don't grab pliers. I grab my hammer. And if right. I want to screw a screw, I get my screwdriver and it's almost like, in, you know, we're, we're God's children and we're dearly loved, but we're also instruments that God wants to use in fulfilling his plan. And each of us are very unique and God has unique spaces in which he wants to use us. So I don't ever have to imitate somebody's ministry, be jealous of somebody's ministry, be envious of somebody's ministry, because God has uniquely, you know, equipped me and called me for places and spaces and people that he wants to use me to minister to. 
And I just have to trust him to do that in his time, in his way, when he opens the door to do that. Yeah, that's so good. That reminds me of um, this past week when I was at the conference and when I was preparing um, for the seminar I did on worshiping alone. And I feel like the Lord, you know, I was preparing to talk to other people and the Lord kind of nailed down those things with me mm. <laughs> of just reminding me, like, it really does come from an overflow of our time spent with him, of our relationship with him. Yeah. Um, and that he created us uniquely for unique things, you know, yeah. and I feel like we are in a time and a space where, uh, everyone, even in ministry, kind of tries to mimic each other. Um, it's very, it can become very performative. Yeah. Um, and in that space, remembering like, no, like this is what the Lord specifically called me to. And this is how he called me to do it. This is how he created me. And I am going to share who he is in that unique way. Yeah. You know, uh, it's hard to do in, I feel like, to, in just today. Yeah, it is. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess a lot of, you know, a lot of the social media, we see different things. We think this is effective. But, you know, you talked about David earlier and you talked yeah. about his heart. Um, but I, I, I even think of David when uh, he steps out to fight Goliath. Do you remember Saul put his armor on David? And yeah. he said, well, if you're going to go out there, you need to do it like this. And David was like, nah, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I have a track record with God. I walk with God as I've tended sheep. I've watched God do things through me with a slingshot um, that shouldn't be done. You know, I've seen a lion and a bear killed. And and so the way that God uses me, the unique way in which he uses me, that's the way I'm going to step out there and trust him now. Um, But it takes a lot for us to to realize, like, you know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And and I'm no less um, special than any other person regardless of, you know, we may look at people's social media and how much, you know, followers they have. And then we think like, man, they're really doing it. But God isn't impressed by by numbers and followers. God just wants us to have a heart for him and to be faithful to what he's called us to. Mm. And, and, you know, some of the people that God is most greatly using, we don't know their names, you know, they might not be the most popular ones. So we can't allow the world's definition of what success is to spill over into ministry because God sees things differently. Yeah, that's so good. That's so true. And I think uh, even expounding upon that, uh, I feel like in my personal life, that kind of goes into the decisions I make. Um, Like I feel like as people are looking into my life, um, there's almost this pressure of wanting them to see like the decisions I make, make logical sense. Mm -hmm. And one thing that the Lord has been teaching me is like the cost of anointing is being misunderstood. And that has completely changed how I do everything because it's like, okay, if I am walking with a God who is perfect and who sees the world through that lens and I am doing what he's called me to do, it's not going to make sense to the world that has a clouded lens of what perfection is and what the best decision is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that flows into everything, whether that's how I worship the decisions I'm making. If the Lord is calling me into a different season or calling me to step away from something or step into something, um, recognizing that like that is a decision between me and him mm-hmm. and he is the one that's writing my story. And so I um, 
don't have to let the weight of what other people think of those decisions define where I'm following him. Yeah. Um, Cause that's, I think that's a big thing. That is big. And, uh, um, and that's really good. As you were saying that I was thinking of uh, the one that God used to birth his son into the world, Mary. So, you know, she's confronted with this calling on her life, which would have left her very, and it did leave her very misunderstood. Right. Um, there was a lot of scandal, you know, around her and Joseph and what went on. And um, but when she's spoken to by the angel of what would happen to her, you know, instead of just thinking through like, you know, all these things in my life are going to be messed up. I mean, I love her response. Her response was, let it be unto me according to your word. Yeah. Like whatever it is that you want, you know, and I think many of us say like we don't realize like my life isn't my own. Mm-hmm. So I belong to Jesus. My life is his. He actually paid a high price. He's, he spilled his blood to purchase me. I don't get to make the choice as to what I do, where I go, who I'll serve. Like it's his choice. Yeah. And, um, and, and because of what he did and the way he lavished his love on me, it's a great joy for me to serve him regardless of how I serve him because the great joy becomes in who I'm serving. I get to serve my king. I get to serve the lover of my soul. And oftentimes we um we grumble and argue about what he chooses for us. And I've yeah. been there. I've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> me we too. grumble and, and, and complain about what he chooses us to do instead of the high joy of the fact that he just chose me. Yeah. He chose me. And so, it, you know, if he calls me to be a garbage man picking up garbage, I should be like, I'm a garbage man for the king of kings. And he chose me. So... But it, you know, it's that's easy to say, um, but oftentimes in the midst of it, it can be it, the reality of it can be hard to flesh out. But the thing I love about Jesus is he's patient with us um, as he walks, you know, as he walks us through that. Yeah, that's so good. Um, something I heard someone say recently is they were like defining what chosen means, and it means selected as the best option. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what an opportunity! Um, we have like that the Lord has chosen us. He selected us as the best option and it's not because of us. It's because of him. And he allows us to partner with him um, to share who he is with people. Like what a honor that is that us broken vessels are able to share who he is and share in what he is doing. Like that is such an honor. And I think like you said, sometimes, you know, just because it's uncomfortable or whatever it may be, like I find myself grumbling and complaining and um, just, I don't want to do it, you know? And it's like, when you think of it from the perspective of, wow, like the King of Kings, the one who created everything, who made me in his image, who loves me unconditionally. He chose me to partner with him and what he's doing like that is just such a beautiful thing. And I think it's something that uh, we take for granted and something that we don't consider often. And so, yeah, I love that you said that. No, I I love the way you said said that, because I think for for some of us, we almost think, I don't know if I'm trying to think when you were a kid, did did you play games where, um, and you probably did, where they pick teams, you know, you have two, you pick two captains and then people pick teams. Yeah. And then you just hoping that I'm not the last one picked. Yes. <laughs> I think for some of us, we think like, you know, God was picking and, and uh, you know, he was always like, all right, I'll take, I'll take David. Like, no, like, no, he was like joyfully, like, I, I want David. 
I want David to be my child. I want him to be on my team. And like you said, like for each of us that are his, we're his favorite. He handpicked us. He selected us and chose us. And it was all because of his great and amazing love for us. And and that blows me away. The more I sit in that, the more I rest in it, Um, you know, and regardless of what people think about me or they pass over me, you know, you can feel passed over by people. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to come to the thing that I've been handpicked by God, you know, been handpicked. That's so good. And I think in those spaces of uncomfortability, the thing that has comforted me the most is just remembering, like, I am literally the apple of his eye, you know, and he has chosen me to do his work. What an honor that is. And even if it's uncomfortable, how much sweeter is it to be in his presence? And so I think that's been the cry of my heart recently of like, Lord, I just want to be where you are. And if that's uncomfortable, I still know that is the most fruitful place I can be because it's where you are, you know? And so just resting in that, uh, even it's not always going to feel great i think i've pretty much said this in every single podcast so far it's not always going to um feel like okay i know what i'm doing the path is lit for me it might just be one step at a at a time but as long as he's walking it with you like that's the best place to be and so just resting in that truth you know yeah and i i love it the fact that um the very thing we're talking about jesus just doesn't call us to it he modeled it yeah. He modeled it. I mean, the, the the will of God for Jesus ultimately was the cross. And in no way was that comfortable, mm. you know, and and yet. In his obedience to the father and his desire to please the father, you know, it's um, he, he did it. He walked that path. And so I love it. You know, one of my favorite verses come out of I think it's Matthew 16, where he says that if anyone would come after me, um you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Mm. And at first he says, come after me. He's like, I'm the one that did it first. I denied myself. You know, he, he who is equal to God, the father, you know, in, in deity would humble himself and he would deny himself so that he could die so that we could be saved and we could have a relationship with God. And if he who is equal with God would deny himself, you know, how much more should we? When we don't even come close to comparing with God, we are his creations. How much more should we, if he were willing to do that for us to bring about what we're experiencing with him? So, you know, it is um, we should have great joy. Um, and uh, I like I said, again, I, I love the Lord for his patience because <laughs> I can say this with, you know, great confidence. But there's been many seasons in my life where I've grumbled and complained and told the Lord he should be using me over here instead of here. And, um, but I'm, you know, I am glad that he is very patient, very loving, and he doesn't abandon me. He doesn't give up on me. Yeah. Work he's begun in me. He said he will, he will complete it on that day when I see him face to face, you know? Yeah. And and hopefully I'll hear those words that I long to hear. Well done. You know, that good and faithful servant. Yeah, that's so good. That reminds me of, we actually were kind of just talking about this when I was preparing for um, my worship alone seminar and talking about, I think it's Romans 12, where it talks about submitting yourself as a living sacrifice and yeah. how our acceptable response for what he did. It's like, do we recognize that everything, like our worship is just the acceptable 
response in light of what he did for us, in light of the fact that he modeled um, that sacrifice for us, in light of the fact that he was perfect and he died a death that he did not deserve so that we could spend eternity with him. It's like, do we realize the the depth of that? Yeah. Um, and I think it changes the way that we um, submit to him when we recognize like, this is the least I can do in yeah. light of what you've done for me you know yeah. it, we don't it changes that grumbling and complaining real quick when you realize like you did not have to do that at yeah. all you could have sat up in heaven and yeah. all of that perfection for eternity and it would have been fine because that is what you deserve but instead you know yeah um, or, or you know you know say like, I, I i love <laughs> what you're saying because it's like in light of him in yeah. light of what he's done you know, we often think like the people that are that are gung ho about Jesus, they're radical. You yeah. know, and it's like for all of us, he said that that's reasonable. Right. Like that's reasonable in light of of what he's done. And you know, then to think, you know, not only could he have just sat in heaven with all of his glory and said, you know, I'm just gonna sit and bask in my glory, but he he could have because of our rebellion against him, he would have been right and just to come down into the earth and to condemn us. Yeah. He didn't come down to condemn us. He came down to rescue us. And that's amazing. It's like the holy God whom the angels worship night and day. And all they can say is holy, holy, holy. You know, the one who shared glory with the father from before the foundation of the world, the one through whom the world was created, the one who exists outside of time because he's eternal. Yeah. would step out of glory, would come to this fallen, broken earth. He would come to people that he made in his image who despised him, disregarded him, disobeyed him, rebelled against him. And yet he didn't come to pour out the wrath of God on us. He came to save us from it. And, you know, so, you know, it's like we get to love the Lord because he first loved us. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like I get to respond to a love that is, man, infinitely more incredible than anything I could ever imagine. I get the privilege to respond to him. And in return, so it makes his commandments, they're not burdensome. Yeah. They are actually a delight because yeah. when I walk in his commandments, it allows me to experience intimacy with the one who made it possible for me to know him. Mm, yeah, that's so good. And I feel like in the moments when I am complaining or I feel uncomfortable, because I think that's been my biggest thing in this season of like, I feel like I'm in a very transitional space and it's and it's so uncomfortable. And I'm like, Jesus was uncomfortable. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he was perfect. You know, a lot of the uncomfortability I feel is because of my sin because of mistakes I have made you know he was perfect and blameless and he came into this earth lived a life of perfection you know and I it's just an encouragement to me of like not he didn't just sit up in heaven yeah. you know he he came down and he experienced um all of the things I'm experiencing and even in the midst of that yeah. he stood in his perfection you know and yeah. I get to wear that righteousness of because of what he did. Yeah. Um, and so just realizing at the end of the day, like, it's not about me at all. It's not about me at all. And I don't want it to be, you know, because yeah. <laughs> he's just so good. Yeah, so. he is. He is. And when you think of it's like um, obedience leads to blessings, right? 
He yeah. was perfectly obedient. And yet the end of his life, instead of the blessing, he would take our sin and become a curse. Yeah. He's blown away. And then, you know, I think of second Corinthians, is it 521 that says God made he who knew no sin yeah. sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, that we might be made right with God through faith in him. It's almost like all of my sin and all of the sin of the world was credited to Jesus as if he did it when he was perfect. And, you know, then he dies and pays the penalty fully for it. But then all of his obedience, all of his righteousness was credited to me as if I did it. Yeah. <laughs> And so now when, when the father sees me, he no longer sees my sin because Jesus dealt with it. He sees the righteousness of his son. And so he's able to say to me and he's able to say to you and to every person that's received Jesus Christ by faith, that you are my beloved son and daughter. And I am well pleased with you. And it's not because we did it all right. It's because Jesus did it all right. And he took care of the wrong. And he's made it possible for us to have a right standing with our Holy Father in heaven. That's mind blowing. Yeah. Mind blowing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I hope that, you know, even for the people listening in that this can be an encouragement, no matter uh, what season, uh, what is going on, just the truth of what he did, um, how he sees us, you know, that, that changes, um, lives honestly mm -hmm. uh, and it should change the way that we live for him um so yeah thank you so much for um being willing to be on this podcast to to share what the lord has been teaching you and uh, how he's moved in your life i'm so grateful and i was definitely blessed by this conversation i hope that whoever listens was blessed by this so yeah thank you you're welcome. God bless you, baby. Love you. Love you too. I'll talk to you later. All right. <laughs>